because you get what you pet, really simply put. So if you are petting an anxious dog, you will see more anxiety in your dog. Same thing with fear. I use petting and verbal praise as ways to reinforce behaviors and state of mind that I want because you're not just rewarding the dog sitting or lying down, you're also rewarding how they feel in this moment. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Honest to Dog Podcast. It's me, Liz Foley, your favorite dog trainer. And Jeff Gadway, your co-host. Lizzie, Mm -hmm. we're talking about fear. I know. Fear. This is such a great topic. It actually came to mind a couple of weeks ago with the dog that we had staying with us. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about Maya and her fears in a little bit. But when it comes to fear, Liz, is this something that clients often contact you for help with? Or is it more of a rare occurrence? I wouldn't say it's super common, but I also wouldn't say it's super rare, if that makes any sense. Like it it comes up, but it's not. And every client. It's not the same level of priority as... Pulling on the leash. Right. Or reactivity. Those ones are way higher. Right. And when you think about fear in the full suite of things that you do as a dog trainer, is it on the harder side to work with or something that with the right tools, it's actually easier to curb? Fear is kind of hard. Yeah. If I'm being real. Yeah. Yeah. for, for several reasons. One, it's building up a dog's confidence has to be a big part of that. And that's not going to happen overnight. That's not a quick fix. Um, and you have to be really patient because to them, that fear is real. Mm. And you have to work them through it and create a new association and all of these things. And so it's 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 a lot of work and it's not necessarily easy. Okay. So with that in mind... What are some of the most common fears or even not common, like just give me a list of some of the fears that you've seen in your time as a dog trainer. Mm-hmm. So ones that make sense, ones that are weird. Yeah. A common one is thunderstorms and fireworks. Okay. And that one makes sense. Loud noises. Um, dogs are animals. And if they were in the wild and they heard something loud, they could run and get safety. Right. Um, and so I think even humans, that's a natural fear within humans. Two natural fears within humans are one is falling and the other one might be loud noises, but I'm not 100%. Um, What else? I know Natasha's dog Decker was scared of the ice maker on their fridge. Really? Yep. Dogs can be afraid of dishwashers. I think there's a episode of Dog Whisperer on that. Slippery floors, stairs, um, the vacuum. We have a friend whose dog is afraid of the Swiffer. We can talk about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I want to get into that one. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting. Dogs can be scared of other dogs. Dogs can be scared of people. Um, Ty was afraid of my golf club. Mm-hmm. And a, and a fly swatter. And a fly swatter. Yeah. Um, skateboards. Yes. Garbage trucks. Those are going to fall under um, like unfamiliar, like foreign object, but also the loud. Um, so... Well, even Maya, the dog who kind of prompted this idea, she was afraid of, well, slippery floors, but also I noticed this when I was walking the pack, manhole covers. Mm -hmm. She would avoid those like crazy. And 
I didn't realize it till like part of the way through the walk. I'm walking him. I'd feel this tension on the leash. She'd be walking like an angel. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'd feel this tension and she's like pulling away and avoiding. And it happened two or three times. And I realized she's doing it every time we try to walk past a manhole cover or a sewer grate. Mm -hmm. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So what do those things have in common? I mean, some of them, like you said, are loud noises, but things like slippery floors, going into pools, manhole covers. There's an uncertainty there um, and it makes them feel unstable, right? So with if you think about a sewer grate, it's, it's not solid all the way across. Right. So a nervous dog or a dog who's lacking confidence or a dog who's never experienced that before is going to try to go around that. Be like, ooh, that's scary. I'm not sure about that. I'm going to yeet. <laughs> and so same thing with entering a pool. They're worried about where it drops off. And even sometimes with stairs, they're like, ooh, there's nothing there. That could be a cliff almost. So it it's... It doesn't make sense in their brain and then they become paralyzed usually by that like what is happening here well that actually brings up a, a good follow-up question when a dog has a fear to one of these things is it because they just don't understand it and they're unsure and that like reptilian brain makes them question it or and or is it because there's been some kind of a negative event associated with that thing that now there's like an imprint there that manhole cover equals something happening or you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's either. Okay. Either one. Absolutely. I think everyone assumes the latter. Okay. They all go, oh, he's scared of uh, shovels. So he must've been hit with shovels or he's scared of men in hats. So he must've been abused by men in hats. And it's, it can be just the same as, Actually, he's never been exposed to that at all. He has no idea of what that is. And now it's startling to him. Um, and that unfamiliarity, again, if it's an if it's a dog who's lacking confidence, something unfamiliar is going to shake them to their core. Yeah. Versus if you have a dog who's well-rounded, well-socialized, happy-go-lucky, and pretty confident, like Carmen. Was there anything Carmen was ever scared of? I'm trying to think. Running out of food. <laughs> yeah probably your that biggest was, fear that was a good laugh that's probably one of the best laughs i've gotten out of you on this show it's probably, probably my head went back that's yeah, when you know it's, it's a, a good yeah good fall, good fall, good fall. it's a good it's a good laugh yeah baker's afraid of not having a blanket <laughs> <laughs> blues and actually this is this is kind of fun carmen was fearless mm -hmm. what about our what about our boys so ty we've said uh, he was afraid of a golf club. We'll talk about how uh, Todd Langston helped us break that down. Um, I think he was also he was also afraid of the car mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, what about what about Baker? I can think of one. Oh, I know one. Okay, my car keys. <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. I did too, because that just that's gone now. Mm -hmm. But I'm a klutz, and locking the door one time taking him on a walk they fell out of my hand and it was like terrifying to him he's just this little itty bitty thing and it made this big like not even a big noise it was just i was a little bit like a janitor though at that time where i had like doghouse keys and like a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff going on um so it made a sound um it didn't hit him or anything like that but startling yeah it just made him like whoa what the heck 
Um, and so. But you're right. Every time I've, either one of us would get keys out, he would pull away. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what else. Garbage trucks. Loud trucks. Loud trucks. You're right. He Loud did trucks. go so through that. We'd be walking down the street and, you know, we live on a pretty busy street. And so like one of those 18 wheelers would come barreling down the street, especially on like a rainy day where things mm-hmm. are even louder. Mm-hmm. And he would pull away. And that, I don't know where that came from because that wasn't always there. That just started to present itself and we both would be like, what is happening on walks? Um, so yeah, that's that one's a weird one to me because I don't really know any correlation there of what yeah. happened and why. But really, like, we don't need that story. We can right. just go, oh, there's fear for whatever reason and I can help you through this. I want to come back to story in a second, but is there anything that Blue is afraid of you can think of? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Life? I think, yeah. <laughs> other dogs, unfamiliar people. I mean, Is that fear though? Or is that just... Well, yeah, that's a good point. He's just super insecure. Yeah. So I do think he was scared of Mr. Darcy though in the beginning. Really? Yeah, because he's a big dog and Blue... In the yard, I just remember like his entire body language and he tried to like hide behind me. And I was like, you act like the most ferocious beast on leash and now off leash with all the dogs in the back. You're like clamoring to me, tail tucked and like puss in boots eyes, just being like, ma. Mama. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I think, I think there was a bit of fear there. Yeah. I think he also avoids sewers and oh, manual really? covers a little bit. But he's so small. He could fit between a sewer grate. That's true. You you do want to be careful with certain oh, absolutely. things. Yeah. Um, with where your dog walks on things because you're right. Paws can get caught. A nail can get caught and get ripped out. Yeah. Like there are things to be conscientious about. So when you are exposing your dogs to things and socializing them, just be smart about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I want to come back to the point you made about we don't need the story. Mm-hmm. And... I wonder to what extent people avoid dealing with fear with their dog because they kind of write it off as part of that dog's personality. Mm-hmm. So Ty's just afraid of golfers. That's just who he is. Mm-hmm. He's afraid of golf. He doesn't like golfers. Or we could go in another direction. He was once beaten. He must have been beaten with a golf club. Right, right. And so to what extent do do you think fear is part of a dog's personality versus a behavior that can and should be addressed. Oftentimes, if the if a dog is fearful, a lot of the time they are pretty sensitive. So that's, to me, part of their personality. Okay. Um, but I would never define a dog by its fear because I think that's really limiting and mm. putting it in just this tiny box and not allowing it to move past that versus when I see a dog that's experiencing fear, I want to help them through that. I want them to not be fearful in life, um, have confidence and yeah, be free of that um, because that's that's unnecessary. It's stress, right? And we don't want that on our dogs. So if I'm hearing you right, there's never a fear that we shouldn't try to undertake. Like it's 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 not like, oh, well, that's just Ty or that's just Baker and we'll be okay with that because that's, they've had some kind of experience and 
we don't want to make them relive that or Mm -hmm. that would be story that would be a lot of story but um if there are things that you do want your dog to avoid rattlesnakes sure so a lot of the time they use e-collar to actually teach avoidance in that way and that's how like i think a lot of people think about everyone uses the e-collar that way and that's not true that that serves a purpose we do want to do um a higher level correction, correction, I don't even know if you really call it that, but interruption to prevent the dog from ever going in close proximity to a rattlesnake. That's very different than me teaching a dog, calm down on the leash and don't be reactive. That's so interesting. Hearing you say that, it makes me think like there's good fear and there's bad fear. We've talked about this recently, even as it relates to mental health and anxiety, that Mm -hmm. it exists Mm -hmm. because that's how we have developed over time to keep us safe. Just Mm -hmm. like Fear is a natural reflex. It's a healthy reflex in some instances because it keeps you safe. And so your dog being afraid of rattlesnakes or other threats to its well-being, that is healthy. But Baker being afraid to afraid of a truck barreling by, it's unhealthy. In fact, it could be even more detrimental because if mm-hmm. he pulls and breaks away and mm-hmm. runs off, like he'd get himself in more trouble. So I think the point you're making that like, no fear is worth leaving untreated mm-hmm. so long as it's a healthy fear or sorry, an unhealthy fear rather, it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. The other thing with that is trucks are going to be a part of Baker's everyday life. Like we yes. have to leave our house to walk him and like they are always transport trucks on this road. Um, and there's a sidewalk. Yeah. And like, I know I can keep him safe and give him some space, but it's like, this is something that's not within my control, so we have to get you comfortable with it. Right, right. It's quality of life. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, he'll just get over it on his own. He'll grow out of it. Mm. Um, but fears actually can become more and more ingrained and then even generalized to other things. So, can you elaborate on that? Like, What's an example? Mm, let's go back to our good friend, Sam. <laughs> Sam, the golden retriever, who was scared of Swiffers. So he then started to know where the Swiffer was kept and was scared anytime anyone went to that closet. He would start to show signs of stress, panting, hiding, low tail, all of these things, stress mm-hmm. indications. And like, so it could, it can go out from that, right? Right. So it becomes associated with other things. Other things, the generalization, like you're saying, that makes a ton of sense. You mentioned something when we were talking about this topic that there are fear periods. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that and how that kind of ties into when fears are likely to be ingrained? Mm-hmm. So as a part of a dog's natural development, there are two fear stages. The very first one is eight to 11 weeks. And ironically, that's when people bring home their puppies and introduce them to their house. And so they usually see the dog not wanting to walk on the leash and being tentative towards a lot of things. And what do we do when we see that? We usually like pick up the puppy or say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And we don't actually help them navigate into this world of unknowns and being like, no, like I got you, you're good. We actually keep them scared. And, and try to um, prevent any sort of discomfort in moving through that. And we can't protect them from 
everything. Like, so um, I remember one of my staff, she brought home her puppy and she didn't want to go down the long hallway into her house and could have been easy to pick her up and bring her all the way in. But this is the introduction to the space. So she took her time and worked her dog through that. And that actually helped their bond grow closer and be stronger. And this dog go, okay, tomorrow I can walk down the hall and it's no big deal. Versus like, imagine always having to pick up your dog to come in the house. And some people do that, like especially small dogs, it's easy. He's scared of stairs, so I just pick him up every time. But now imagine it's a burn-a-doodle. That's not, that's not realistic. When you said that just a minute ago, I had this like epiphany light bulb moment that if eight to 11 weeks and six to 14 months are these two fear stages, like you said, it could be very easy to go, okay, those fear stages are coming. When I see signs, I will insulate and isolate and protect mm-hmm. and, and uh, prevent the dog from being exposed to fear, which is one path mm-hmm. to take, but you're robbing your dog of experiences three weeks and uh, you know, several months later on of learning opportunities to bulletproof your dog around these types of circumstances. Exactly. It's a missed opportunity. Yeah. And usually I think it's fearful people that are going to do the avoid, avoid, avoid versus more confident people who are just like, hey, bud, no worries. Let's do this. That's right. And do more exposure. They're probably well-rounded and less fearful themselves. And I get where people are coming from. They think it's a gift to their dog to alleviate any of that fear or those circumstances where fear could be triggered. But it's an even bigger gift to your dog to give them the tools to become more confident and make those fears no big deal mm-hmm. and make the dog more versatile and resilient in all sorts of situations. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Before we talk about some strategies for helping your dog overcome some of these fears that they might have, are there some things that people should not do that they need to be aware of and, and avoid? We really don't want to coddle the dog when they're experiencing fear. Um, so it's it's human nature. Everybody wants to go to the puppy. It's okay. And like go to pet the dog and console. That's that's what we would do to each other if there was fear in somebody else to, mot- to make them feel safe. Give me the really Cole's Notes version of why coddling and saying that's okay and petting a dog in a fearful state reinforces that behavior and gets more of it. Because you get what you pet, really simply put. So if you are petting an anxious dog, you will see more anxiety in your dog. Same thing with fear. So I use petting and verbal praise as ways to reinforce behaviors and state of mind that I want. Because you're not just rewarding the dog sitting or lying down. You're also rewarding how they feel Mm. in this moment. And so if I'm trying to use food, like this is the other thing too. A lot of people will, I think will defer to petting and praise because a lot of fearful dogs will not accept treats. And so just don't do it. (laughs) And that kind of leads naturally into some of the tools that exist out there that are marketed as aids for fearful dogs. Like take 
Thunder shirts, for example, that are marketed as a tool to try to comfort and alleviate fear from fireworks or loud noises. Why don't they work based on what you just said or on what you get you, what you, the, blah, blah, based on the whole premise of you get what you pet? Yeah. Um, so Thunder shirts are like compression. It's like swaddling a baby. Um, why they don't work is most people don't actually condition them to calmness to start. So they think they're buying this magic tool that when thunderstorms happen and your dog is experiencing fear and anxiety, put this on your dog and it will go away. No, there is no magic fix like that. And so what you actually need to do is just like with place, like putting your dog on place when a thunderstorm is happening and they're freaking out might not calm them down unless you've taught them that place equals calm, just like thunder shirt equals calm. So when you're calm, this is on and it keeps you calm. So if you know it's July 4th or a thunderstorm is coming, do it ahead of time and already have that association built in. And then when your dog wears it, it can help alleviate some. I still don't think it will eradicate all of the fear. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. It still matters how you are around your dog. It's no different than leash and walk, right? If you introduce the leash in an excited state, you know, now leash becomes excitement. Whereas if you pair leash with calm, you're going to be set up for a better walk. Yeah. Everything is really an association to a dog. There is no like just this tool will work. That's false. Mm. It's not the tool in and of itself. It's how you use it. It's the tool in relation to the energy, the mindset, like all, oh, that makes so much sense. Oh, you're dropping so many bombs on me today. It's great. Dog Um, knowledge. I'm full of it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that was, but it felt right. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Okay. So We've talked about what not to do. Um, let's dig into a couple of cases here. Uh, our friend Maya, who was recently staying with us, mm-hmm. short little sausage, <laughs> so sweet. Little corgi. Little corgi, cute little bum, little loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy afraid of slippery floors. So in our kitchen, we have tile floor and then other our, places. Yeah, we have slippery floors all throughout our house. It's yeah, like we have the- hardwood floor and... It was so funny. Like, here's what I saw. And then I want to hear, see what you saw as a dog trainer. She'd be very tentative and walking on the surface. And then as soon as she like lost a little bit of traction, Mm -hmm. she would start to like spin, spin and kind of do like a Bambi Mm -hmm. and then just like spinner wheels mm-hmm. and that would only further exacerbate the fear and she'd like wig out mm-hmm. and it was also anytime she'd move from like a carpeted surface to some kind of a slippery surface that would also be a trigger so that's kind of what i was seeing as an observer what did you see as a trainer pretty much that that she was just very um untrusting and uncertain moving forward on that surface and she just kind of maybe start getting her bearings. And then um, I had to be very careful with pressure on the leash because if I put too much pressure and she's like, no, I don't want to move forward, that would set off the panic and the scram, 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 and the nails going and the like it just, it was a lot. And mm-hmm. it was like, okay, we need to try a different approach or we need to be working with the 
with her in a different way. Um, and it was a lot of kind of experimentation. Yeah. What were some of the strategies that you tried to help her build her confidence and feel more safe and trusting? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I moved away from using the leash because I was like, this is maybe like I could get her to move a little bit and then she'd do the whole thing. And so I was like, this is like one step forward, 12 steps back. And so I pivoted to, I dropped the leash um, and had her, I knew she was food motivated Um and we had used food before to overcome some fear. So I knew it wasn't going to be starting from scratch. Um, so I, I like breadcrumbed it all the way, like made a trail for her to move forward um, along this path. And she could take these tiny steps and go at her own pace and work at it. And then I started making the spaces between the treats larger and larger and larger. Uh-huh. Um, and then... Yeah, she was able to do that on her own, but we were still seeing there would be moments where she'd, uh, like how she moved through a lot of the rooms was like along the wall mm-hmm. or like run to a mat or a rug. And it was like, that was like a little safe zone. A lifeline. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. And so you had the thought, you were like, what if we... We have some runners in the basement. What if we put them together and created like a track, um, which then we could spread out over time and get rid of more of them. And I was like, that's amazing. That's a genius idea. But Maya's only here for a short period of time. And I feel like that is a longer journey. Right. Um, And I'm also just someone who I want to help so badly overcome the fear um, that I'm like, I will dedicate the time needed that's all that's like a band-aid solution it's a versus, crutch yeah. Yeah, yeah i'm going to work with her yeah. as long as it takes and i think i mean i know you see where i was going with that i was kind of like almost like you know like walking the plank on a on a pirate ship how they would like retract the plank and slowly make it shorter like that mm. was kind of my plan right we put the runway down for her and then she gets comfortable because what i was picturing was and and this is how you you see it so much more clearly i thought maybe she was associating the discomfort sensation with being in the room now that it Mm. had been coupled with that so i'm like if we could just get her crossing the room on something she feels stable with and then slowly make it like shorter and shorter so that like she reaches the end of the runner and then she's got to take those steps herself but I don't know what I'm talking about. That was just like me trying to be creative. I, I think your that. approach was was so much more effective <laughs> in a short period of time. And that's why you're the professional. I love it. So I was right? You're always right. <laughs> there when it comes we to go. dogs, you're always right. When it comes to most things, you're always right. Um, see what I did there, folks? Um, okay, so that's Maya. And I thought that was really cool because I've actually never seen a dog with an aversion to a slippery surface like that before. I thought mm. that was so fascinating. I mean, it it tore up my heartstrings when she would go ballistic like that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not going to lie, and I don't even think I ever told you this. I like went into our room to check our floors to make sure that she didn't scratch up our, <sighs> of course you our wood floors. Um, but I was mostly concerned about her and like how panicked she was by it. 
I've never seen that before. And so to see you experiment and work through it in real time and try different things was so cool. So like in the 10 years of daycare at Doghouse, because we had one area that was tiled um, that had like in the wintertime a rug along it because it would get slippery even for Mm -hmm. the humans. But in the summer, it was just bare. And in 10 years, I want to say there were, I don't know, maybe five dogs that struggled with that. Okay. Um, So it's not super common, but yeah. So I I was like being creative myself too with how to how do I help her through this because leash pressure isn't it. Why we had Maya was she was staying with us while her family was moving and in the new house there which is why I'm like I'm not going to just like band-aid this solution I want it to be easier for when she goes home. Um and so I told Amber how I had worked through her and I was like this is my recommendation and I got a text message that that first night where they were home she was like I did exactly what you said and it worked it worked so much better than Amazing. everything else we've tried. She's like dropping the leash and like so I could po- apply the most minute pressure if I needed to guide her. But I wasn't holding it because when I would hold it, there were times she would walk with me great and then the panic would start and then she'd put the pressure on and then she'd be scratching the floor. So I was like, yeah. okay, we got to do something different. I can't hold the leash in this situation. Let's move on to another case Sam Mm -hmm. with the Swiffer, you'd said that Sam got scared, not just by the Swiffer, but even the thought of the Swiffer coming out and Sam's people going to the closet where the Swiffer was, was enough to trigger it. So Mm -hmm. what were some of the things that you did to help Sam make some progress? So Sam came and spent the day with me here. First thing was, what did I do? I kept the Swiffer still. That's what I did. I had it just just an object that's out there and walking him around it and by it. Um, and then eventually like stand over it. And then once he was like, this isn't, this isn't anything to be scared of at all. Um, and it became like no big deal. That's when then I could make it fun. And so using it as like a agility jump to have him go over it. So, okay. You touched on something really important there. Can you talk about the difference between trying to go from scary to happy versus scary to neutral and what that progression needs to look like in order to Mm -hmm. be successful? Mm -hmm. A lot of people want to go from scared to excited or happy about it. And that's not going to happen. That's because the dog is stuck in fear. And if we're creating excitement, that only a lot of the time creates more fear. And so the very first thing is I'm going to teach you it's not a threat at all. It's hashtag no big deal. That's like Liz Foley dog training 101. First thing, neutrality. And so then the dog builds an association of, oh, I can actually relax around this because this is the thing. If you're scared, if, if you're scared, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of an example, but I can't. Um, maybe just like spiders. And we're like, no, spiders are fun. And like, no, I want to make sure first that if the spider is calm and I can be calm in its presence, that's a horrible example. I don't know where I'm going with well, it. Well, we need but. to work on that with you because the other night we were lying in bed and there was the spider on the bed and you, <laughs> you freaked I, out. I didn't freak out. I went into action. I was a superhero and I saved all of our lives. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. That's how, exactly how it went down. As like I said before, you're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> but you were calm. You were no. excited around the spider. Yeah. 
So we need to get you first to <laughs> calm around the spider. And yeah. then we can work on happy spider. Well, the and then spider, spider like in your hand and like Charlotte's <laughs> web and making. <laughs> I loved that book. Me too. I cried. Well done, pig. No, that's not it. What is she writing the web? Some pig? You might be mixing up two books. I think I am. I think yeah. it's babe. That's babe. That'll do pig. That'll, <laughs> That'll do. do. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think Charlotte wrote some pig or something like that. Yeah. Something. If inspiring. anyone knows, let us know. Gosh, that takes me back. That was like. I'm feeling like that three? pang of nostalgia and mm-hmm. like hurt because I feel like something happens to Charlotte or something and. Oh yeah, she has all the babies and she might have passed, but yeah. she has all these babies. I can't remember. Anyways. Yeah. Back to what's happening here. Right. <laughs> so I think your point was before you can endeavor to make something that was causing fear a positive experience, you mm-hmm. first need to reassociate it as a neutral experience. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm. So we can still make it something happy to be excited about at another time. But first, let's just make it chill. So where did you get to with Sam and the Swiffer in that whole experience? We got him to jumping over it and I sent a video to his mom. So he was like doing hurdles with the Swiffer. Can you believe that? I know. What was his mom's response? Well, she thought it was cool and she, I think, went home and practiced the same thing. And it's like, it's one of those things that you really have to practice a lot because associations can be very deeply rooted. Okay. I want to talk about one last example, one that's closer to home with Tai mm. Tai mm-hmm. and the golf club. So- yes. Remind me how we came to learn about this. Mm. So you were cleaning your golf clubs. That's the only reason like you ever bring them inside the house. They're usually in the garage or in the car or at the course. Mm-hmm. And so you were cleaning them, getting them fresh and new and shiny and beautiful. Which Liz thinks is hilarious, I think by the way. it's cute too. It's, I get them out. I have a little basin with some like <laughs> water and soap and a little brush. And I sit there and I clean my clubs. You just care a lot about your clubs and golf and got, it's you really gotta have sweet. your tools well maintained to go do the work. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so I'm cleaning my golf clubs and And we had the dogs out and Ty you like took one I think he was already nervous with the whole bag coming in the house, but you took one out and he I think he ran and hid in and put himself in a corner and was shaking. And we had never seen him quite like that. Like in the beginning, we saw him like that in the car and right. around cars. But we had had him for a significant amount of time. We were just like heartbroken a little bit. Being, oh, I was. You don't want to see your dog like that. Especially something that I had done or was doing. Yeah. That, that was triggering that kind of response. Like I was shook from that. And it is hard seeing your dog like that. So know that even me as a trainer... It was hard for me to to see that and to hold back the urge to coddle. Um, and so it was, was it, I, you know what? You might have been cleaning them because Todd Langston was coming, actually, and you we were, we were playing golf. After I picked yeah. him up from the- And Todd yeah. was staying at our house. And so he um, helped us work, this, work him through this. And Todd is similar to me in teaching neutrality around things and the very first thing was he had the genius idea of let's put it um in a spot that he frequently has to pass and be around like a transition point so the the back door he loves going outside there's no way he wouldn't go through it 
um, let's just have the golf club leaning up against it. And so it becomes just a thing, a thing that was powerless. Um, and so he just started- an object in the space. Yeah, he started just passing it. First, it was like, whoa, what's that doing here? But then like we all just went outside and then he'd follow. He's like, okay, okay, okay. I see what's going on here. All right. Nobody died. Okay. <laughs> and then more and more comfortable as, as he went. And I think we left that golf club there for a significant amount of time. Like this wasn't like, okay, let's work on it one day. Right, um, right. It was over time and that really helped him. Yeah, and I, I can't remember where we got to in the process, but like you said, Todd was here for several days and you know, he was so good with continuing to work through it while he was here. And I feel like we might have gotten to a point where, you know, Todd was holding the golf club mm -hmm. and you know, obviously not swinging it around Ty, like that wouldn't be mm -hmm. safe, but where they were in personal zone together and you know, Ty was, I don't think he ever got to the point where he was like curious about it or it was like a positive association like the Swiffer was with Dar mm -hmm. uh, with Sam, but I think it was quite neutral by the end. Mm -hmm. No, I think in the backyard, um, we had Ty off leash and Todd was swinging it at one point. And so, cause we had opened up proximity and, and Ty was weary, but no longer fearful. Right. And I okay, did right, right. see a little bit of curiosity. He never was like, oh, let me go up and see that. He was just like, oh, mom, are you seeing? Oh, oh, Todd can just swing that and he's not coming for me or it's not scary or anything like that. It mm -hmm. was just no big deal. Right. You got to get him more comfortable and into golf. I mean, he is my <laughs> son. So that would be that'd be great. He could come on the golf course and caddy for me. There you go. That'd be awesome. Um, well, that's that's fantastic. I love that we explored like three very different examples. Oh, maybe we'll touch on one really, really quickly. Because mm -hmm. um, we've talked about, you know, a surface. We've talked about a couple of different ones with objects. I'd love to talk about um, loud noises for a second. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about Baker, right? With the trucks. Because mm -hmm. um, you were able to make some incredible progress with him mm -hmm. around the truck. But that's one that like, it's not like, a surface where you can control when the mm -hmm. dog is on it or an object where you can manipulate the object to make it work in your training. A truck's going to come by. I mean, it's very hard to stage from a training perspective, like having someone come to your doorbell, or ring the doorbell. Mm -hmm. So how did you work Baker through that one? Um, exposure and kind of, I guess it was a little bit of yes work without even knowing it. Um, Baker's so food motivated um, and so it was catching it early where he, where I would see the truck coming and be able to give him food early enough that he was still taking it. And then the truck would go by and he would look at me and then he'd get another treat. Uh -huh. So it was just like, he, he's like the easiest dog in the world to train. I, <laughs> but so I just ended up doing tons of repetition of, of that at the end of the driveway. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, a lot of the time I'm even caught off guard because the truck's coming behind us and then he would put tension. I'd practically trip over him. It was becoming a hazard and I was really scared that I might hurt him or he'd hurt himself or he'd right. break free, um, things like that. And so I was like, I can't be walking. Like we just got to stay still and I got to be 
not on alert, but aware and make this a dedicated training time and not like on a pack walk. So that's what I did. I just hung out, um, I think first on our front steps, cause I'm going to do proximity first. I'm going to be at a distance. Um, I'm not going to throw you into it. That's not necessarily fair either. Um, and so then we progressed to, and I was actually really surprised how far he came in that one session. And then I just started carrying treats with me on the walk. And anytime he heard a truck, instead of going into panic, he would just look to me. And Amazing. I was like, yeah, bud, good job. Here's your food. Amazing. But all the more reason that like the training happens outside of the incident, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing with making fireworks no big deal. The training doesn't happen during a fireworks display. It happens leading up to a fireworks display. Mm-hmm. Same thing here with Baker. It's not like you were correcting the behavior as the truck was coming by. You're seeing the truck well in advance of him ever hearing it. And you're starting that conditioning at the right time so that it has the right result when the truck does come by. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. You said something really important. You can't correct fear. That will only further instill the fear. So imagine you're scared of something and I like, I'm like mean about it. Mm -hmm. That's not gonna make you feel confident and good. It, It keeps you fearful, it keeps you stuck. And so you have to be compassionate when dealing with that. And I'm not, not super soft and like, not expose them at all or or shelter them from these things. It's just being patient and working through it. Um, so back to Maya, I worked with her mom on sewer covers. And I think some of the temptation can be to rush the process of like tension on the leash. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come. It's not so bad. Just experience it versus my experience. Again, I, I look at everything as like first address the the pull to get away from it. So I just stayed where she was already showing discomfort, right? And I just stayed there. I was closer to the cover than she was, and I had food. And the second she moved forward with curiosity, I nurtured that, Mm. and then I crept closer. I never pulled her to the sewer. That would not work for Maya, but I never let her pull away from it. Oh, that makes so much sense. You're not flooding the fear on to, you know, try to flush it out of her. Like that's not going to work. What you said at the very beginning of this episode is that fearfulness stems from a lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think what you just touched on, you need to build up confidence. You don't penalize or correct confidence. Like it just, it Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. So, so this all lines up for me. And so- Little bit by little bit, I got her closer, closer. I freaking got her like sitting on it, I'm pretty sure. And then um, she wasn't allowed to move away from it until invited. So if anyone's seen me, how I introduced the dog to a crate, because dogs can be nervous, anxious, freaked out about that even. Everything is guide, either with a little bit of pressure or luring with a treat or with me being the cookie and Maya likes me. So me being closer, like standing on the grate and nothing bad happening. She's like, hmm, well, I like Liz. I think I trust Liz. I'm gonna go closer. And then we can make her feel good about that choice. Not by going, oh my God, good job. Because that would just make her fearful again. Yeah. yeah, overwhelm. It's just like, 
here's a treat or here's soft blinky eyes or something, recognize that she's doing good work and then grow from that. Um, but yeah, it's how you leave it too, just like everything. So we always left it as a positive association. I moved her away and then it was just like, that's it. And it was such a short training exercise. It really was. And I was like, hey, that, that's great. Let's leave it at that and do that same thing tomorrow. Love it. And then the next day and then the next day. Well, if there's one thing that I'm taking away from all of this mm -hmm. is that fear is not something you need to be afraid of. Oh, I see what you did there. That's that's pretty meta. It is. Anyway, I know um, fear can feel really overwhelming for dog owners when they see it with their dog. Um, so I do really hope that you got some good tips and tricks on how to handle it when your dog shows fear. Um, and if you need any further assistance, holler at your girl. Thanks, Liz. Appreciate you sharing. No problem. And until next time, stay calm, confident, and fearless. Ooh, girl. <laughs> Bye. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at honest to dog Podcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. 